Bibles this morning, turn to Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5, if you'll remember a couple weeks ago we began in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 just thinking about our theme, hands to the plow. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, we spoke about a divine purpose. That's why He left us here to be witnesses to the world. We, we spoke about a divine power, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. When He left, uh, the, He said, I'll send you the Comforter. And they didn't need the Comforter because Christ was still here. But when He left and went back, then He sent the Holy Spirit. So they had a divine power and then a divine period. The angel said, why stand ye here gazing? This same one, he's going to come back. Just as he went, he's going to come back. And so we have a divine period. We don't know how long that is. But whether it be by death or by rapture, God is going to take us out of here. And while we are, excuse me, while we are here, we have a divine purpose. And then last week in Acts chapter number 3, we saw the lame man. And saw Peter and John. They told the lame man they were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. And they told the lame man, they said, look on us, fix your attention on us, because we have something that you need that you don't have. We have something greater than silver and gold. What did Peter say? He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. I do have something, it's not silver and gold, but I have something that you need that's much greater than silver and gold. And they gave it to him and he was healed. And right after that, In Acts chapter number 3, the people are astonished, they're amazed. And then in Acts chapter number 4, we have the first persecution. Who did this? Who made this man whole? We know what Acts chapter number 4 and verse 12 says. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And in verse number 10, Peter tells the council by whom this great feat was accomplished. He said, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. They forbid them to preach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ anymore. And then in chapter number 4, verse number 20, or excuse me, verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You, you tell us we can't preach about this Jesus anymore, but all we can do is to preach and to witness and to testify that which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Then in chapter number 5, we have the death of Ananias and Sapphira in the first part of chapter number 5. And then in verse number 12, listen... Beginning in verse number 12, we see, we have evidence of the power of a holy church. In the first part of chapter number 5, they got rid of the sin. They got rid of Ananias and Sapphira. By the way, they didn't get rid of them. God got rid of them. Why are you going to lie to the Holy Spirit? By the way, great proof here in Acts chapter number 5, the Holy Spirit and God are one. Because he talks about the Holy Spirit, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he said, you've lied to God. He said, why 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 have you lied to the Holy Spirit? It was your land. It was your money. You could have kept it. You didn't have to lie. But boy, then in verse number 12, after sin is cared for, we see the power of a holy church. 
And boy, the Word of God is proclaimed and the Word of God goes forth. And in verse number 17, we begin to see the second persecution. Notice there, if you would, verse number 17. Actually, let's do this. Let's stand. And we'll begin reading in verse 17. We'll let the children be dismissed for junior church and toddler church. We'll begin reading in chapter number 5, verse number 17. The Bible says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is of the sect of the Sadducees, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, and were filled with indignation, laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And by the way, they begin to do that. They go do it. The, the, the council, they go to bring them out of the jail. They're not there. Because the angel had let them out. And drop down, if you would, to um, verse number 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. They came in and said, look, those people that we arrested, they're back in the temple preaching again. And so they go to get them again in verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine intend, excuse me, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. In verses 34 to 39, Gamaliel steps in. In verse number 40, And to him, speaking of Gamaliel, they agreed. They they weren't going to slay them. They weren't going to kill them. But they beat them. The Bible says, When they had called the apostles and beaten them, They commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Notice verse 41. This is our text verse this morning. So we're going to take our thought and our truth today. Verse 41. And they departed from the presence of the council. Notice this. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. For the next few minutes I want to preach... On this subject, very simple, found in verse number 41, the last three excuse me, words, for His name. Father, help us today and teach us. We'll surely thank You for it. Father, if there'd be one here today without Christ, may they see their need. May they come to Christ today and be wonderfully and gloriously and forever saved. Father, for the believer who simply needs to be reminded today that we have one cause That is for Your name. Father, help us to remember that. Help us to remember that every second, every moment of the day. We we, we have other responsibilities, yes, but we have one cause, and that is for His name. Father, thank You for the example of these apostles who rejoiced that they could suffer shame, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Your name. May that be our heart today. Father, help those that are away from us today, those that are sick Father, we ask for strength and health. Father, we ask for spiritual strength and health for those that need it today as well. Father, work in our hearts. May Your Holy Spirit have freedom to move in our midst. Father, may we surely 
May we surely be different. May we surely do business with you today. Father, may we grow. May we be strengthened from your word today. And we'll thank you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. There are many causes for which people give themselves. People will don ribbons. They will contribute money. They will participate in marathons. They will march and carry posters and on and on and go. Excuse me, on and on we could go. And they do all of that for a cause. Those activities may occasionally have their place. However, as a believer, we ultimately have one cause. And that is found in verse number 41. It is for His name. Everything we do, whether it's in our families, whether it's in our, at our workplaces, whether it's in the public square, everything we do as a Christian, I mentioned this in Sunday school this morning, we cannot, as Christians, we cannot compartmentalize our Christianity. A lot of people do, a lot of Christians do, and they're very good at it, but we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to compartmentalize our Christianity just for a certain day, just for a certain time, just when we're around a certain group of people. Our Christianity should be on display every moment of the day, every second of the day, wherever we may be, whether it's at home with our kids and our wife, our spouse, whether it's at the workplace, whether it's in the public square. Our cause should be on public display. We have one cause, and that is for His name. And let me say this this morning. We, we can have great fervor. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of these. But we can have great fervor for a political cause. We can have great fervor for a financial cause. Hey, let me tell you about this new investment that I found, about, found out about. Let me tell you about the, the, this, this uh, new uh, entrepreneurial opportunity that I have. By the way, nothing wrong with any of that. We have great fervor for it. We can have great fervor for our children. We can have great fervor for a sports team, can't we? What about the fervor that we have for Jesus Christ? Because we only have one cause. For His name. It's not for a political cause. It's not for a financial cause. It's not for our children. It's for His name. That is our one overriding cause that ought to constrain our lives as Christians. And I want us to see this morning, really, we're kind of going to journey through chapters 4, 5, and 6. Definitely not all of the, the verses there by any means this morning. But I want us to see what characterized the lives of these apostles, especially Peter and John. They're the ones at the forefront right now, what characterized their lives and what did they do for His name? By the way, you'll do a lot of things for your children, won't you? By the way, and that's right. You ought to. But what about for Him and for His name? Let's look at this this morning. Number one, I want us to see this. For His name, they suffered persecution. For His name, they suffered persecution. And by the way, let me say this. If we live as Him being our preeminent cause, we will suffer for His name, or at least we should. The Bible says if, if we live godly, for, in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, it says if we live godly in this present world, we will suffer tribulation, persecution. 
We will do it because this world... Listen, if this world hated Him, why do we think they're going to treat us any different? Lee. Why do we think that? Well, this world's going to love me because I act right and do right. And by the way, we should. Bible tells us that, 1 Peter chapter number 2, Titus chapter 2, we saw in our Sunday school this morning. Look, the, the, the world should have nothing to be able to accuse us of. They might accuse, but it should never stick. They shouldn't have anything to condemn us over or to contest with us over. Now they will, but we should live in such a way where nothing ever sticks to us. But the truth is, they didn't love Jesus, they don't love us. They didn't love what the Lord Jesus Christ preached. They didn't love what the apostles preached. They're not going to love what we preach. And so, first of all, for His name, they suffered persecution. Chapter 4 says that. We have the first persecution after the healing of the lame man. Chapter number 5, we read a little bit there. In chapter number 5, we see the second persecution. They're thrown into jail. They're beaten in verse number 40. Go a little bit further to Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8, for His name, they suffered persecution. By the way, whether it's physical suffering, the Bible says they were beaten in Acts chapter 5, verse number 40. By the way, whether it's financial suffering, the Bible says in Acts chapter number 3, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Now if God has blessed you financially, God bless you, that's a wonderful thing. God blesses in that way. Now sometimes we don't have the blessing because we're lazy. Shame on us for that. Okay, but there are people who work hard and they serve and they minister and they love the Lord Jesus Christ and they don't have a whole lot of money. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's emotional. Did you catch it? I know you're in Acts chapter number 8, but in Acts chapter number 5, in our verse, in verse 41, it says, they rejoice, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer what? Shame. Shame for His name. Maybe it's emotional persecution, emotional suffering. But for His name, they suffered persecution. Chapter number 8, verse number 1. The Bible says now chapter 7, Stephen has been martyred. Stephen has given that great message. And boy, it has cut them to the heart. Just like it said in Acts chapter number 5 that Peter's message cut them to the heart. But his message cut them to the heart and they ran upon him. They murdered him. They stoned him. He was a martyr. In verse 1 of chapter 8, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, we, we know he was, his name was changed to Paul. But it says, as for Saul, what did he do? He made havoc. He made havoc of what? The church. He made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. For His name they suffered persecution. And by the way, how did they do it? They did, they did it with what? Say it again. Okay, faith. Did you say faith? Absolutely faith. But that's the word I was looking for. Rejoicing. They did it with rejoicing. Not, not, oh, oh, God, I'm serving you. What is this? You're supposed to protect me. You're supposed to put a hedge of protection about me. And they're persecuting me. 
No, no, that's not how they reacted. The Bible says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy. Now, they were counted worthy because they were His children, because they were serving, because they were doing it for righteousness' sake. And the Bible says they were counted worthy for the worthy one. But the Bible says they rejoiced. There was no complaining. Now, they did, when the council said, hey, you can't preach God's Word, they said, well, whether that's right or not, whether it's right or not that we obey God rather than you, you you judge that, but we're going to obey God. And we can only speak what we have seen and heard. And We've seen Jesus Christ and we've heard Jesus Christ. We've seen what He can do and what He did do. We've watched Him, we've witnessed Him, and we're going to be witnesses to the world because that's what Acts 1.8 tells us to do. And for His name they suffered persecution. But they didn't view it as suffering, they viewed it as joy. Jesus, others, and you. Isn't that the little acrostic that we learned as kids? Joy. Hold your place here in Acts chapter number 5. And take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be here, Lord willing. We're going to be here in Hebrews 12 tonight. But take your Bibles and go to Hebrews 12. For His name they suffered persecution, but they didn't look at it as suffering. They didn't even look at it as persecution. They, they, they looked at it, they put their face to it, and they rejoiced. Hebrews chapter number 12. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We, we've just seen that great cloud of witnesses, haven't we? In Hebrews 11, that's what we've been studying for the past few weeks. He says, wherefore. When you see that word wherefore, it means you go back to the preceding and whatever you just learned in the preceding proves or bears out what's going to follow. What's going to follow here in Hebrews chapter number 12. And he says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We all have a race, don't we? That's why we were left here. We have a divine purpose. Okay, we all have a race to run. Well, in verse number 2, he gives us an example to follow. In verse number 2, he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who... Speaking of Christ, speaking of Jesus, who for the, what's the word? Joy. For the joy. Now, we have a wrong, in our world today, we have a wrong perception of joy. Joy is happiness as long as my circumstances are good. No, 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 here's what joy joy is. Joy is a, a consistent state of gladness because I know that the one who controls my circumstances is faithful. That's what joy is. Joy is a consistent, constant state of gladness because I know the one who controls the circumstances, just like Miss Beverly sang about this morning, is faithful. That's what joy is. And the Bible says here that for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? Oh, Pastor, boy, we went on visitation and somebody just, I knocked on the door and they came to the door and they slammed the door in my face. 
I'm suffering such persecution. And the Bible says, who, speaking of Christ, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Despised the shame. He didn't like the fact that He had to take sin on His body. He despised the shame of it all. But He endured the cross. And Notice what the last part of verse number 2 says. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before Him? Well, a couple of things. First of all, the joy that was set before Him was the will of the Father. The joy that was set before Him was the salvation of souls. We've said it before. The joy that was set before Him was us. It was the will of the Father. What was the will of the Father? You're going to go to the cross. The joy that was set before Him was the salvation of people who could never save themselves. And the Bible says because of that, He endured the cross. Okay, so what's the joy that, set, what, that was set before Peter and John? The will of the Father, the salvation of souls. The will of the Father. A divine purpose, a divine power, a divine period. You've, that's what you've left us here for. A divine purpose. And the Bible says they were beaten, but they came back to their brethren. And they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Number one, for His name they suffered persecution. And when we suffer persecution, I understand it's not pleasant. I, I understand that. But you know what? We can rejoice in it. So I didn't get any amens on that because everybody's like, I don't know. You know, because I don't want no persecution this week. I, I understand it. But if I'm living based on my circumstances, when the persecution comes, I won't have joy. But if I'm living based upon the one or I'm living for the one who does control the circumstances, when the persecution comes, I'm still going to be joyful. Still going to be joyful. By the way, turn back just a little bit. I had you here in Hebrews 12. I hope you're still in Acts 5. But, but go back to Matthew 5 real quickly. Matthew chapter number 5. Notice verse 43. By the way, in Acts, Acts really Acts 3, 4, really the whole book of Acts, it's almost as if the apostles finally remembered some of the messages that Christ preached. In Acts 5.41 where Peter is rejoicing, Peter and John are rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but maybe they, they're like, hey, you know what? Remember that message that Christ preached? The Sermon on the Mount, they're going to call it one day. Acts chapter number 5 verse 43 Ye have heard it that hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Notice verse 45. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Hey! You know, we can rejoice in this. 
they're not right and what they're doing is not right and we don't deserve to be thrown in jail and, and to be beaten and persecuted for this. But hey, it's okay because Christ told us it would happen and, and Christ went through it. And if I want to be like my father, if I want to look like my father, if I want to imitate my father, if I want people to know that I am of my father, then I ought to act like him. And they rejoiced. In spite of the persecution, number one, for His name, they suffered persecution. Number two, look back if you would at Acts chapter number five once again. Number one, for His name, they suffered persecution. Number two, for His name, they saturated their place. They suffered persecution. Number two, they saturated their place. What was their place? Jerusalem. Notice the Bible, if you would, we read this just a moment ago. Acts 5, verse number 20, excuse me, 28. <coughs> saying, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in His name? Notice what the Bible says in the last part of verse 28. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. For His name, they saturated their place. The Bible says they filled Jerusalem with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. I mentioned this in Sunday school this morning. I'm not there, but I sure want to be there. And what I mean by there is this. I'm not as sensitive to the needs of others and specifically to the need of the lost as I should be, but I want to be. The Bible says they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. You know what we need to do? We need to fill West Tennessee with the doctrine, with the truth of Jesus Christ, with the truth of the Scriptures. It says they filled. For His name they saturated their place. We've been given a divine purpose. It's to be witnesses to the world, but specifically we are to start in our Jerusalem. Amen? That's what Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 teaches us. We're to saturate our place. You know what that means? That means I ought to be sensitive. I read this to, the, to our Sunday school this morning, but in Acts chapter number 20, the Apostle Paul told the Ephesian elders, he said, I am pure from the blood of all men. I can't say that. You know what I believe that means? I believe every opportunity Paul had to give the gospel, he did. Otherwise, he couldn't have said that. He said, I am pure from the blood. In Ezekiel, where it talks about the watchman, and it says if we don't warn, their blood's going to be on our hands. The Apostle Paul says, I'm pure from the blood of all men. He says, because I have not ceased to give the counsel of God. He says, I'm pure from the blood of all men. For His name, they saturated their place. Now again, I'm not against other causes. I'm not against us having family time and things we do apart from the church and different things. But even when I'm doing that, my one cause is Jesus Christ. At least it should be. It ought to be Jesus Christ. 
And when we have opportunity in a store, or we have opportunity at work, or we have opportunity just out in the public, we ought to be sensitive to the fact that that individual that we just met and just talked to may never have anyone tell them about Christ if we don't. Because we have the truth. Do you have the truth? Do you? Do I? Yes. We have truth. We have the truth of salvation. We have the many truths. We have the truth of God's Word. The Bible says that the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. We have the truth. Then let's disseminate it. Let's distribute it. Let's scatter it. Let's spread it. Let's propagate it. Let's saturate our place. And by the way, the one place where it ought to start is in your home. Hey, mamas and daddies, you ought to saturate that home with the Word of God. It ought to be read in the house. There ought to be pictures on the walls. We say, Pastor, you can't tell me what to put on my walls. I, I know, I hate putting stuff on the wall. Nail holes drive me crazy. I love, I love, what are it, 3M strip or uh, what are they? Command strips. I was hearing all, a whole bunch of different things. I think you were all saying command, but I wouldn't get it. I love command strips. No holes. And if you do it right, you don't. Now, I hate it when it pulls the paint, but if you do it right, it doesn't do that. Command strips are wonderful. Sweetie, that's like 30 pounds. You want to put a command strip on it? Yes. We'll put like 10 on it, and it'll hold. That's what my wife does all the time. You know that little emoji with a guy with his hand over his face? That's my wife constantly. This guy just doesn't get it. But hey, I don't have holes in the walls. What were we talking about? Scripture? Oh yeah, in the home. Yeah, in the home. Yeah, I don't care if you... I mean, I do care. You ought to put... Nice pictures on the wall with verses and different things. But the Word of God ought to saturate our home. And then from there, ought to sat- hey, if you, have a, if you have a cubicle at work, the people that walk by your cubicle ought to know that you love the Word of God. Ought to be Scripture on your cubicle. When you're in that cubicle, you ought to be listening to good music, good Christ-honoring music. You ought to be listening to preaching. I was at work one day, so it's been so many years ago. I was at work one day, we just had, in, in my office, we had, we had four cubicles, and uh, I sat on the wall, and my cubicle was on the wall. I was listening to preaching. There's a young lady that sat beside me, and she would come in every day when we were in the office, she'd come in, and she would blare her rock music. And I mean, it's just a little office, four cubicles, just, you know what cubicles are. There's nothing controlling the volume. And she's blaring her rock music. So I'm just thinking, I got her. I got her. So I went in one day and I got in first. And I put a sermon on. And I'm thankful my boss was a Christian. And I cranked it up. She came in and I could see her out of the corner of my eye. She just kind of looked at me, kind of glared at me. But she put her stuff down and she got it down. And She'd been there about 30 minutes. The message was almost over. And she kind of leaned around and she said, don't you think that's a little loud? I said, no, I think it's perfect. 
Now, that's being spiteful, isn't it? A little bit? Just a little? I wouldn't recommend you do that, per se. But the people in your office ought to know that you love the Word of God. It ought to saturate your cubicle. It ought to saturate your place of business. And the Bible says here in Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 28, this council and the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees, they look at these apostles and they said, look, didn't we tell you you weren't supposed to speak and teach and preach in His name? And now you have filled Jerusalem with His doctrine. Number two, for His name they saturated their place. They suffered persecution. Then finally look at Acts chapter number 4 if you would. For His name, they suffered persecution. They saturated their place. Get you some tracks before you leave today. Get you some tracks. Keep them handy. Can I give you an imitation of my church? But even more than that, can I give you something to tell you how you can know without a doubt that you're going to heaven one day? Hey, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Can, can I give you something that will show you how you can know that you're a Christian? Get some tracks. Because to be able to saturate something, there has to be someone who's pouring. Okay, you've got to have something in the vessel, and then you've got to pour it. Okay, you have something in the vessel, you have the truth. If you know Christ this morning, you have something in the vessel. You have the truth. You know what salvation is. And you know how to tell somebody else. Okay, you've got a vessel. It's full of something. And then you pour it. And you saturate. We've got it. We have it. But it has to be poured. It has to be distributed. It has to saturate. Number three. Acts chapter four, verse number 13. Number three for His name. They stayed in His presence. They suffered persecution. They saturated their place. And for His name, they stayed in His presence. In Acts chapter number 4, verse number 13, the Bible says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they stood before this council. They've seen the boldness. Peter, Peter's preaching. He said, look, y'all hung him on the tree. Now again, we know Jesus Christ went voluntarily. But Peter said, you hung him on the tree. You're the one that wanted the murderer released instead of an innocent man. You hung him on the tree. And boy, Peter is preaching boldly. And he's saying, look, that man is the man in whom we have salvation. It's his name. It's nobody else's name. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. His name is the only way under heaven, above heaven, by which we can be saved. And in verse number 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, notice they marveled. These are just fishermen. They don't have any schooling. They don't have any training. They're just fishermen. But boy, when they saw their boldness, and when they saw how they preached, by the way, they preached that way because they had been witness. For three and a half years, they had, they had walked and they had listened and they had learned from the Master. And now they're preaching. And now they're testifying of what they saw and what they heard. The Bible says, and they took knowledge of them. That they had been with Jesus. 
me ask you this morning, to the people that you have contact with every day, is there any evidence? Could they prove you guilty of being with Jesus? The Bible says they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus for His name. They not only suffered persecution for His name, they not only saturated their place, but for His name, they stayed in His presence. They stayed in His presence. Drop back, if you would, to chapter number 4. We, we, we saw chapter 1 and an example a couple weeks ago, maybe even last Sunday, when they were in the upper room and the 120 they were praying. But in chapter number 4, verse number 23, this is after the first persecution. They tell him you can't speak in his name anymore. Verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they had heard they, excuse me, when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Look, what did they begin with? They begin with praise. Just praising his name. God, you are the one, you're the creator, God, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Notice this in verse 31. And when they had what? Prayed. They stayed in His presence. They began with praise. And then the Bible says they prayed. By the way, the Bible says in one accord. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the Word of God with boldness. They stayed in His presence. Why? For His cause. If we're, if we're going to be able to saturate a place, we have to stay in His presence. So that we can keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing always in front of our minds. Because we get sidetracked with other little things. By the way, not bad things. But we get sidetracked, don't we? We have to stay in His presence constantly praising and constantly praying so that we'll remember the preeminent purpose for which He left us here. And that was to be a witness to the world. And the Bible says they prayed and when they prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together. For His name they stayed. In His presence. Look at chapter 5 again, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We have a divine purpose. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom He slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to Him, excuse me, hath given to them. That obey Him. Drop down to verse 40 once again. They stayed in His presence with prayer and praise because of a preeminent purpose. 
with prayer and praise because of her preeminent purpose. They were to be witnesses to the world. They were to preach. They were to preach. Notice verse number 40 again. And to him they agreed. To Gamaliel they agreed. We're not going to slay him. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them. Notice the commandment. That they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And, and then they let them go. Don't, hey, we told you before. We're telling you again. Don't speak, don't preach in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Verse 42. And daily in the temple. They stayed in His presence. And daily in the temple, what did they do? And in every house, they ceased not. Hey, don't preach in His name. Well, whether we should obey you or God, you can judge that, but we're just going to tell you we're going to obey God rather than you. Verse 40, they said, don't do it. Verse 42 said, hey, we have to obey God. God's left us here with a divine purpose. We're going to do it. And daily in the temple in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to talk about the weather. Talked about the sporting events of the week. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. No, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. What's your cause today? How how many ribbons do you have in your top drawer of your dresser? I've got a green ribbon for this. I have a red ribbon for this. I have a blue ribbon for this cause. I have a purple ribbon for this cause. And by the way, I'm not saying any of those are bad. But that's not our preeminent cause. Well, I've got some orange t-shirts in my, my dresser because that's one of my causes. If you don't have an orange t-shirt in your dresser, you ought to have one. I'm just playing. We have causes, don't we? And we can have the ribbons and we can have the apparel. We have one cause. One overriding cause. And the apostles said, Hey, we rejoiced that we were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. For His name, they suffered persecution. They saturated their place. And they stayed in His presence. God help us, that would be us today. Hey, I want to saturate this place. I'm not there, you're not there, we're not there as a church, but... I want to saturate, excuse me, saturate this place with the Word of God. And by this place, I mean all of West Tennessee. We have a specific place right here. I, get, I understand that. But we ought to want to saturate this place. We may not be there, but boy, we ought to have a desire. If you don't have a desire for that this morning, you ought, you ought to get on your knees this morning and say, God, give me that desire. God, help me to love people the way that you love people. For His name. Father, thank You for the time. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for these men. They may have been rough around the edges when they first met You. But Father, You polished them. You prepared them. You sent them forth to preach, to be witnesses to the world. You gave them power. 
Father, we have the same power. I, I know we don't do miracles and signs and wonders, but Father, we have the Holy Ghost. We have your completed word. The apostles didn't have all of that. We have your completed word. Father, may we be reminded daily we have one overriding cause, and that is your name. At home, it's your name. In the workplace, it's your name. At activities, times of refreshment and relaxation, it's still your name. Father, I pray that you've reminded us of that this morning. Help us, Lord. I, I don't know hearts. There may be someone here today that needs to be saved, Lord. I don't know. I pray that they would understand. There is no other name. There is no other way for salvation, for forgiveness of sins, except through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, for us as believers, I pray that you've worked in our hearts today. Help us to move. Help us to do business with you. Help us to deal with you today. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Joe's at the piano. She's going to play. Invitation is given. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you need to come. If you're here and you've never placed your faith in the shed blood of Christ, in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ from Nazareth, then you need to do that today. Believer, what's your cause this morning? What's my cause? Is it a political cause? Is, is it a financial cause? Is it an educational cause? May not be bad, but we have one overriding cause, and that is for His name.
Amen. Thank you so much for your attention this morning. Let's pray and we will be dismissed. Teenagers, if you're staying, just kind of hang out in the gym and we'll get going in just a little bit. And look forward to seeing you back tonight. Choir, 5, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock right here. And we'll see you then. Brother Roma Antonita, will you pray for us, please?